Hi, I'm Graham Lasso, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat with Chris, Craig and Brady. Welcome to the Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat pod. The headline this week, Chelsea man up at Man City. <laughs> Please don't cancel us. I've got Brady with me as we dive in for an in-depth review into our encouraging 1-1 draw away at Man City as we go three away games unbeaten. That's all next. All right, Brady, how's it going? Yeah, good. I mean, uh, never thought I'd be a little disappointed on not winning the game at the Etihad after I think the, the last four visits before that we didn't score a goal. And uh, lesson learned, never use a triple captain FPL against Chelsea because it's a very weird dynamic. But other than that, <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was, I wouldn't uh, rule Haaland out yet for the game week. No, I but, wouldn't. Uh, I definitely wouldn't. But uh, I didn't want to do it anyway because I don't. I don't like that about FPL going against Chelsea. But anyway, going back to the game, fantastic result. Um, a little bit of sweet, obviously, because you know we were heading head the game for over a half, and you know, ten minutes left, we were still ahead, but um, we nearly made it. But yeah, a really good positive result that was, I think, quite unexpected to be honest. Can you give me the last time Manchester City didn't score at home in the Premier League? It was Palace at home. It was Palace at home, 2021, October 2021. Um, Do you know who was playing for Palace that day? Who was what, sorry? Who was playing for Palace that day? The whole team? No, just (laughs) he plays for us. (laughs) On loan from Chelsea to this club. Shall I give you it? No, because I just absolutely should know it. Started against us. He started for us, sorry, and started at Palace three years ago. He was on loan at Palace. Oh, Conor Gallagher, obviously. Conor Gallagher. Completely blanked there. Yeah. Well, you do blank on Gallagher, don't you? Don't rate him, do you? <laughs> 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 um, so, um, yeah, the, the, I think holding on in the game would have been uh, would have been quite an ask. But I think we yeah. uh, we definitely performed admirably. And uh, yeah, let's break it down here a little bit tactically, especially the first half, which I thought was was absolutely outstanding. Um, how do you think the the setup really helped us in the first half? Well, I think the main thing in the setup was Sterling came in um, for Madueke. I said I said with Chris in the last pod that Madueke would unfortunately lose his place, which he did. Um, maybe the plan was always to have, have Sterling for this game anyway. He obviously performed very well against Kyle Walker in the Stamford Bridge game, and in this one, he kind of well. I don't think I think um, Raheem Sterling might be haunting Kyle Walker in his uh, dreams a little bit with that cutting that he did. Uh, but yeah, in terms of that, Sterling just holding the width, more tactically adept, and the, the big one was Cole Will for Cole Will for Silver. Um, you do you do one you do put Silver in this game, and you wonder if the game would have been markedly different. Just that Cole Will and Dzaki pairing does seem very good. It's really nice to have Cole Will at centre back and. Um, yeah, it's a similar shape, I think. Obviously, you've got Jackson up top, um, and we we essentially played on the break. But, yeah, I thought the setup was pretty good. Again, pretty tight, good, compact, good unit. So I thought it was good. Yeah, I think uh, the the structure of the, of the team was quite surprising. I think a lot of people, like you said, didn't expect Sterling to come back into the team. But I think, re- retrospectively, looking at that, that was the correct decision. I think Posh yeah. got that one absolutely spot on. I think that duo of Sterling and Jackson... They love to run in behind. I mean, the, both these players really are, are much more effective running in behind. And, and certainly Jackson is, uh, you know, these games that open up with space, they uh, they really suit him. So uh, I think the correct team selection looking back at it. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, well, when you see 
we'll talk about maybe the temps. So, but I think with Nkunku, he doesn't look up to up to speed yet in this kind of game. I'm coming into that game, he was kind of like a he was walking. He was walking at running pace. Really, we needed him to run. He was only at walking pace. And I don't mean he's being lazy. He's not up to speed fitness wise. Like he's, he still looks like he's in preseason mode a little bit in terms of fitness, which is completely understandable. Um, but the thing with Jackson is, and I think this is probably why he should start the final as well. Is the against the high line, he's very effective. Um, he can cause chaos. He, he, the end product obviously is erratic. Let's say, but um, him, Palmer, and Gallagher just bring extreme. You know, dynamism up top, and yeah, it's difficult for teams to to keep on top of even a, a good defense like City. Yeah, I was, I was thinking forward to the cup final and obviously our biggest game of the season on Sunday against Liverpool. Mm. I think the team sort of picks itself apart from uh, the outfield players. Anyway, I think picks I think, itself. I think, I think you go again. I think. I think yeah, exactly. I, I, I personally, we talked about this before. I would personally switch to Sanchez if he's fit. I know he had a personal issue mm. on Saturday. I think the way Posh was talking in the pre-match interview, I think Sanchez was going to start. Just the way he phrased the the response, mm. I think Sanchez was going to start. And I, I would start Sanchez personally, but I know not everyone agrees with that. It's definitely a polarizing issue amongst the fan base. But um, yeah, I think same again. I, I'd be so surprised if he changes the team for Liverpool on, on Sunday. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, they're, they're different teams, City and Liverpool. They play Liverpool a bit, bit more direct. Um, City will just try and also almost like try and pass you to death, which they did a little bit in the second half to us. Um, but they both play a high line that can be ex- exploited. And yeah, I mean, we've got pace, pace to hurt them. And especially if their injuries at the back uh, and generally, I think, you know, we could definitely go again. And I just think the players from that, before, a little bit like Villa, where you can't really change that kind of a, that team in the performance. Like any of those players get dropped, they'll be extremely disappointed. And I actually think this time going, it's not like it was going from Villa to Palace. I think the same team is actually the right team to play Liverpool. Um, they're not just playing on Marriott. I think they're playing on kind of the the tactics as well. And, you know, tactically being the best player for that spot. So I think it, I'll be very surprised if it's the same again, to be honest. Maybe the goalkeeper, but that's it. Yeah, and obviously the the bookies believe in uh, Chelsea a little bit as well, going from thirty four percent win probability to forty percent based on uh, yeah. Saturday's game. So yeah, big big movement in the betting markets on uh, on Sunday's game, and obviously partly Liverpool's injuries as well. But anyway, we'll focus on that in the preview pod, which is coming out at the end of this week. Let's uh, let's hit some temps, and we can talk about the tactical uh, elements of the game as well during that. Time to see whose form's on top, who's heating up, whose temperature's dropped, who's been playing well and who's not, it's freezing, warming up, boiling hot. Okay, Brady, you're up. What have you got for me for freezing cold? It's a tough one for freezing, freezing, actually. This, I'm going to gonna put, it's not, it's not a freezer, it's a fridge. You're, you're keeping your, your beers chilled in the fridge. Uh, a, a water cooler. I'm just, I'm going to put in Kunku in there, not really for wow. particular in for performance, but you can't put any of this starting eleven in there. Um, maybe you can put Trev Chalaber in there. He looked a bit rusty. Um, I just think in Kunku he came on. Every time I come on, you think right, this player is like it's, it's quite. It's quite funny because narrative wise, he was we were waiting for him. It's like right when in Kunku's back, everything will be fine. Now it's a little bit like how are we going to fit him in? You know, who's he going to who's he going to displace? And I'm not saying he won't do that, but while we play Gallagher, Caicedo, Enzo, it's very difficult to put him into the team because I think you know 
usually you're going to have Sterling and Palmer and then Jackson's come back and he's kind of been one of Poch's main soldiers at the top as well. And I'm not saying that Kunko won't, won't, won't get in the team, but I think he would have to sacrifice one of that midfield three in some games, a bit of lack of control, uh, lesser control. I think in Kunku, like I said before, couldn't get into the pace of the game. I think his first touch, he gave it to City and they broke away. I think he had one scuffed shot. Just couldn't get into the game. Uh, not really his fault. Clearly still in pre-season mode. I think he's only played 317 minutes in the league this year. Already got two goals, so his uh, minutes per goal ratio is all, all, already very good. Very good. Very good player. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying any way that this player is not going to be a good player for Chelsea, but if you said before the, the injury that you know, he would be at two goals in February and it's just been incredibly disappointing and they said on the Straight Out Cobham podcast that really this season's basically a write off. He needs a pre season, I think. I think he needs a pre season to get really to get going and then we'll see the best of him and it's just an incredible shame that in effect his Chelsea career has essentially been delayed by a year really. You've almost got a third of the season left, so I I don't think I'm quite ready to write off in Kunku's season. Oh, definitely yeah, yeah. Don't, don't write him off, but I don't think you're going to get the best version of him this year. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I just think the games that we play at the moment, in the, the the structure, you know, we we we're gonna we haven't had the ball a lot basically in the, these no. games that we've we've had recently against Liverpool away um, and City away that we've played just now. Villa away, we actually competed really well, but obviously he he didn't play that game. But I think the out of possession stuff is stuff that he has to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it's not quite as intense at that element of the game at the moment as well, and that comes with time. Um, and also, I just think that trust element as well. Posh is big on mm. organization, trust. I, I think he trusts Sterling and Jackson right now to deliver yeah, defensively yeah. as well as on the attacking end of the pitch. And uh, yeah, I just don't think he has that with Nkunku. And another player actually that's not starting at the moment is Mudrik or playing any minutes. I think he doesn't trust him either. So I think that's, that is big for Posh. Yeah, I think uh, they've mentioned in a couple of podcasts that Posh brought a little rant when he was asked about Nkunku and Lavia, like, you know, when they're going to be back and said you've got to earn it. And, you know, we're in the middle of a battle here. And I don't think he was pointedly talking about Nkunku. I think Nkunku is a player of exceptional quality. But fitting him into the team is going to be quite quite challenging because at Leipzig he plays a second striker which is not really something that many teams do it's more of a German thing that's actually uh, the 4-4-2 that's actually what Havertz did it was kind of similar to Havertz where Havertz would kind of play second striker or Werner Werner used to be like that as well sorry I think it was more Werner actually but he doesn't look great as a lone nine in Kunku he doesn't look fantastic good look against Liverpool but I, I think I think he can get isolated pretty quickly so it's going to be interesting how we use him. It's not a freezer. I'm not getting on him, but we really, we really, if we can get him cooking alongside the other attackers, it could really take us up to the next level. And I hope it happens this season, but I don't think it will. I think it'd be similar to Caicedo, where it took a while for him to get going, and now we're seeing, and now we're seeing him improve. I think without a preseason or. He had to have to do his preseason again. Really, it's going to be tough for him to really see the best of him this year. I think. Yeah, I don't think he'll start the cup final on Sunday, but I think no. obviously he's a great impact sub to bring on. But also, I think that Leeds home game that that Wednesday after yeah. that's the prime one to get him going in. And then you've got Brentford away the Saturday after. You know, if you can get him going in that, and you can start him against Brentford, maybe you know seventy minutes against yeah. Leeds, and then start him against Brentford. I think that makes sense. And then you've got Newcastle at home the following Monday, so you've got a long break and sort of evaluate from there. You just, know, that's just, a great time to get him going, basically. Just jumping ahead, we have a very difficult run of games, but then at the end of the season, we have Burnley at home, United at home, Sheffield United away, Everton at home, Brighton away, Villa away, West Ham at home, Forest, Forest away, and then Bournemouth at home. 
like eight, a block of a block of like seven, sorry, just under just uh, nine good fixes there where we can get some. And I think by the end of the season, to be honest, we might be in a position where we might not be able to get sick from really seventh is the best we can hope for. I'm not saying you just give him minutes out for a, but you can give him maybe give him some minutes to get him going into next season. So we'll just see how he shakes out. Yeah. I don't have a freezer um, for this. No, it's difficult. I, I, mean, I was actually going to mention Nkunku myself, but um, I wasn't going to put him in the freezer. You hate me like for doing uh, the non-player freezers. I could, I don't know what I could have done, uh, but I couldn't think, I couldn't think of a non-player freezer. So I thought I'd just put, we'll do a fridge this week. So, uh, I was, I was, the only other player that I was going to mention, this is a little bit, this is actually a bit of a harsh freezer. I, I, you know, I love this player, but I'm going to put Thiago Silva in the, in the freezer because... He didn't play. Exactly. But I just think Dezazi and Colwell look so good now in this partnership mm. together and something to build on and obviously something to build on for the future as well. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that Thiago Silva is going to leave in the summer. You know, you've got a 25-year-old player and a 20-year-old player. I think they've got a chance to build a partnership that might be good. And obviously I've come around a lot on Dezazi over the last few games, but I think I just wonder with Thiago Silva's injury as well, apparently it's not that bad. It might be back in a couple of weeks, but I just wonder how many more games Thiago Silva is actually going to play for us. I think Freezer's the terminology of Freezer's tough, but yeah, I think you're, you're politely showing him out the door, aren't you? With, with all sort of respect and you're, you're, and I'll be honest, like Thiago Silva is probably surprised himself he's played this much. Um, he was never supposed to play as many minutes this year. I know Liam Tooney wrote an article in The Athletic saying that his minutes should be chopped up. It's just gone the way where they haven't been chopped up. He's just played a massive block and now he probably won't play, well, uh, injury-free much of the season. I, I think that, yeah, we've got a good partnership. I, the, the main thing with me is just having Colwell at left centre-back for the future and with Silver, there's plenty of games you can still play. There's plenty of big FA Cup games you can play. And, you know, he's still going to be really effective on the bench and um, things like that. But, yeah, I would agree at the moment you probably wouldn't be starting him. And it is an interesting debate where if he played that game on Saturday, would the game have been markedly different? We don't know. Especially in the Villa game away, it was, there's a lot of debate about that as well. So, yeah, um, I know what you mean. Right, let's hit warming up. What you got for me? Warming up is, I had to put him in. There's actually, I mean, there's probably loads of special mentions. Cause there's, there are some boiling hots, obviously, but there's loads of warming up, so I've probably got a couple of special mentions. The, the first one for me is the Senegalese Ronaldinho himself. I'm, I'm only joking. It's Nick Jackson. Um, <laughs> you, you can't quite pin down what Nick Jackson is good at, but what he is good at, he is very good at. I mean, some of his link-up play and the flicks and the tricks and very good. And then he does, you know, he's through on goal when he does a rubbish finish. But you're going to get that with him. But what he's good at is... He's a... <laughs> That's just part of Barca. You just got it. Well, it is. That. I mean, it is, isn't it? I mean, he's, I mean, I'll be honest. He's not. A, he's a pro footballer and he can't head the ball. So I don't know how that happened. I mean, he just literally just... He closes forgot. his eyes when he heads the ball. Actually. I mean, even that Villa goal, it literally hit him in the face. I mean, it's just like... Um, he can't head the ball, which is... Yeah, I mean, obviously he was compared to Drogba. So that, and Drogba's one of the best headers in Chelsea history. So, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to be getting a job of comparisons anytime soon but um yeah and he's finishing his erratic and that's polite um but he's a bit like the joker in the dark night he just he causes chaos he's in there and you know like i said last week virgil van dyke said he was the toughest uh, forward you played against he said jackson i think he just and with the final coming up obviously that's good news it's like he just causes a bit of chaos a bit of yeah like sort of just 
gets into the heads of the opponents. And you never know what he's going to do, which is a terrible thing sometimes, but probably <laughs> really, really difficult to defend against. And the flick for the goal was obviously amazing. Um, I do have a little bit of sympathy for, as well with the chance. Um, I think Gusto, if he doesn't stumble, he just puts it through and he's got a much better chance. But saying that, if you hit it first time, you could see him put it into Rosé, to be honest. Um, I think you have to hit that first time, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't confident at all when the ball came across, really. Um, no. At all. I mean, I no think one was. It, I, I mean, I think it was a 0.6 XG chart. I don't know. What, what, what do you think it was? 0.4? 0.5 XG, probably? Um, 0.4, I think, yeah. Yeah, but with him, it's 0.2. I mean, there's, there's Jackson tax on that on the XG there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is very effective against the high line. If you put him on the, a striker against like a car park low block, then he's awful because he just can't hit the ball. And, it, like, and if we're going to try and go wide and whip crosses in, I mean, it infuriates me when we do that, when we whip crosses into him. But yeah, I thought he was good in this game. And in these, you know, he scored against he scored against City in the reverse. He had a very very good game against um, Liverpool in the reverse uh, at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, I think he's very. I think he's very effective against uh, certain teams, and in this game, he was very good, especially in the first sixty minutes. Well, we only played seventy minutes, but in the first half, he was very good. Yeah, I totally agree. I think. Uh, I think we talked about this a bit in the in the review, really, of the of the game. What Jackson offers us in behind in these uh, against these teams that like to play high lines, and yeah, he was just fantastic again in that in that regard. And also, his work rate off the ball was really good. I think he uh, he's actually unbelievably a key player for us for the League Cup final on Sunday. Yeah. I think he has to start, so that's kind of absolutely mental to say, but it's true. I think not the best at ground jewels. One out of nine ground jewels won, so he won't be a centre back anytime soon. But um, I mean, you look on his stats here at Footmob, just looking now, they're a bit of a mess. But he's a bit. He's almost outside the stats, Jackson. He just sort of does stuff. He just does some really good stuff. Where even Palace at home. A palace away, even in that horrible first half, he he has this. He, he can take it. He can whip. He can kind of take the ball, dribble it, and then change the phase, the, the phase of play. He's just got something about him. It's just really unpredictable. And yeah, I mean, is he going to have a zero point seven xg chance and put it in the top row? Yeah, sure. But he's also got that. He can run through four or five players and lay it off, and you know, create a chance from nothing. So a bit of both. But yeah, I thought uh, much better performance for him and uh, a good a good day for him. Yeah, brilliant. My my warming up is Raheem Sterling. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I think uh, him getting this, the nod is, you know, a big decision for Posh, and he got it right. And what he provided us in that game, I thought was brilliant. I know he had one offside chance as well that he um, he sort of miscontrolled and didn't end up shooting. Um, but he he was just such a threat throughout the game. Also, thought his work rate was really good. I've often been critical of Sterling actually, and his off the ball sort of work rate in certain games. I do think he's <laughs> he's someone that does try harder in in the bigger games and like yeah. City home and away. You know, it's almost like watching a different player sometimes than what you watch in the the you know the Palace away game or whatever, or you know whatever away game we've played recently where he he's sort of not looked quite on it and. Uh, I don't know if I mean that's obviously a bad thing, but obviously it's very enjoyable to watch as well when he when he is on it because he he is such a threat and him and Jackson as a duo and Cole Palmer that three sort of pair really well, don't they? Yeah. They they one is that loves to play those three balls and these two love to run in behind and yeah it's yeah. just uh, it just works really well like it like we say in football we're always looking for balance and yeah. that is really well balanced that front three. 
I mean, we posted on X, and if you could follow us at X at Eat Sleep Chelsea, we're going to be trying to get into at least 5k followers by the summer if you could support the pod, uh, an up and coming pod, that'd be great. We tweeted saying uh, that half is a microcosm of Sterling's career. Poor miss one and one that, bring, that brings on a lot of criticism, but then scores a more difficult chance and silences the doubters. He just seems, it's almost like a character who's like kind of been pinned down by gunman in a film and he just sort of he seems to shoot his way out of it he seems to just have a few few bad games i, I was you know i was getting on him and then he just sort of and even within the game he just seems to find his way out of it he, he seems he's a moments player where he can just get a big goal just when the pressure's going on him kind of like the you know the waters he's kind of the water's coming up and he's about to you know go underwater and then he kind of gets it back and he pops his head up again i just wish with him we didn't have this sort of fluctuation in form because he does show things where he could, he could, I think he could go up a level up for us. And we do forget that he's been through, four, this is his fourth Chelsea manager. Well, fifth if you can improve that, in, if you include Bruno Salter. But he, he, he was. Say again? We won't include him. No, we won't. Four and a half. But anyway, um, he was bought under Thomas Tuchel. So we do forget that. And he's actually probably one of the last, other than Kukurea. One of the last Tuchel signings left um, of the Bowley regime. So, yeah, we've got to think about that. But I do think that when he's on it, he's really on it and he can really affect us. And there, there, there has been times, I mean, I always point to the West Ham first half, West Ham away first half where he was unbelievable. Um, and he, he seems to have picked up a yard of pace. I know, he did, I know he's done a lot of work in the off-season. I know he's a real pro off the pitch. I think he changed his diet and... I think he was then did some off. I kind of went to the um, some sports conditioning coach and things like that. Fantastic pro. Just wish you saw from. I wish you had this. I think I think you could easily perform this consistently because he's not a young player. So, but yeah, much better from him. And we need him this in the final. Next, well, we keep referring to the final probably because you know it's, it feels a bit like well, it's the biggest day of our season so far. Obviously, we need him on it. If Sterling has a poor game on Sunday. It's going to be a tough one to win. We need him on it because when he ticks over, he you know he helps Palmer out, he helps Jackson out, and yeah, uh, we really need him on it for the rest of the season. Yeah, I just want to talk as well a little bit about the midfield duo. I know they've sort of been up and coming for a while, really. Enzo and Caicedo. I think they're really starting to string some uh, yeah um, good performances together. But I just want to talk tactically about what we had them doing in the in the first half, especially works really well, where they sort of sat back a bit and covered the spaces in between the the right back and the, and the centre back tracked them really well, but were also able to just be so, so good in build-up, especially Caicedo, who again I thought was just unbelievable given the the task we ask him to do, which is receive the ball with Rodri, yeah. De Bruyne, Foden, um, all breathing down your neck. And uh, he, we managed to actually string together some really nice build-up, especially in the first half today. So I just want you to talk a little bit about that duo and what you see for them going forward. And, and obviously it's a trio with Palmer, but uh, sorry, with uh, Gallagher, but they're, those two are a little bit deeper. I think it's about spaces. It's about making sure that they're compact in spaces. And I do think Enzo is much better deeper, um, personally. Um, and Caicedo kind of... Well, Caicedo's obviously playing deeper. So it's interesting because... You know, Caicedo goes from a sort of a sitting like a kind of cante in a six, but then come ruled up up the pitch and press as well. I think the main thing is just that kind of telepathy between each other and just the spaces and just working out and not isolating each other. Like there's been a lot of games where I think Man United away, Caicedo was left to the Wolves. I think Wolves, Wolves, uh, Wolves at home can't have that. So 
I think it's about adapting Enzo's role a little bit. I think Caicedo, I wouldn't say he is what he is, but he's positionally on the pitch, he's quite similar. But with Enzo, we need to evolve his role and mould it from game to game to get the best out of the team. Because, yeah, um, I think I think in some games, to be honest as well, you you, you don't always need an Enzo. You can have a you can have a Gallagher and a a Caicedo in there. Um, I don't know if Caicedo is ever going to get a rest if you could play Gallagher and Enzo. But yeah, I think I think they're starting to. I wouldn't say work each other out, but it's about positionally in the spaces because it's when we get stretched and there's like a big a big gap between them where the problems arise for me. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the partnership is starting to really grow and and we talked about Cole and Dzazzi, talk about Enzo and Caicedo. I think we're really starting to talk about this team forming some partnerships and some partnerships that look good. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a really really positive sign. All right, boiling hot. What you got for me? I think before we move on, just a really special mention warming up. It's Malo Gusto again. I mean, Jeremy Doku. Oh, we'll talk about him in Boiling Hot, maybe. Uh, oh, were we? Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, right, anyway, my Boiling Hot. It might be the only time I get him to put him in, but this season, so I'm going to have to. It's the, uh, it's the Gonisse, which is a, uh, a suburb of Paris, version of John <laughs> Terry. It's, uh, it's Axel de Zazzi. It's the Axe. You know, he's, he's been coming... He's been walking all the way from Iceland down to Central Australia. He's gradually been warming up, and now he's boiling hot. I mean, he was immense in this game. Uh, 11 header clearances, five recoveries, only dribble pass once, four out of four aerial duels won. He did a lot of his good work in the air, to be fair. He still needs to improve his pass accuracy. I mean, his pass accuracy was only 81%, but his vibes were 100%, and uh, just the energy of him. Um, I mean, some fans won't like... The, the celebrating, you know, <laughs> celebrating in the 40th minute, like, you know, heading it out for a corner with <laughs> one nil up. But I, I love it. And he, he really cares. And he's, he's a, you know, obviously he from, reminds us of Tony Rudiger a little bit, the energy. And it's just good to have that. He just gives some energy. It's not, he hasn't got this sort of like placid kind of laid back. We just need that, that kind of bite. And he gives us that. And um, yeah, I'm enjoying his performances at the moment. I think he was my warming up against Crystal Palace. So the the next step after warming yeah. up is boiling hot. Yeah, and, I mean we, uh, we had yeah, to do it while Chris was it wasn't it because he'd be like, "Well, well no way, you got to get him out of boiling hot." And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, it'd be like he'd be putting a petition in to get him out of boiling hot, giving it to the government. But um, no, it's he's been improving, and I do think I've been saying it for for ages that you've got to give these players time. I mean, I think he's played he played the most minutes this season, well over two thousand minutes, and. It's his first season. I mean, it's just like, you, you've got to give him some time. Yeah, does he look at calamitous sometimes? Yes. Does he look a bit dodgy on the ball sometimes? Yes. But I think he's improved massively, by the way. On yeah, the ball. yeah, definitely. definitely. And, and that's obviously to do with the structure of the team learning, you know, where to, where to go with the balls. I thought, yeah. you know, apart from the last 20 minutes in this game, we were very, very careful with the ball um, yeah. defensively and, and some really nice balls from Dezazi straight into Palmer, which were very hard to control under pressure. Yeah. But obviously Cole Palmer is... Is Cole Palmer, and he's just so good. So yeah, he uh, he managed to do it. But I, I think you know that is the that is the progression, isn't it? You've gone from a player that really looked like you say dodgy, and look, I I, I do think he has a ricket in him. Um, he's, but... not, he's not he's not over the rainbow yet. I mean, he's not no. you know, he's, he's not he's, he's not the next Naldini. But, but I, I do think the last two games have been better than I thought he could play. Yeah, I think he's gone over the cap that you expected him to have, right? Like yeah. And Jamie um, Carragher called his performance 
or said about his performance. I can't remember a better defensive performance this season. Yeah. That was a John Terry performance. Yeah, I mean, it was a real, it was a defenders, defenders performance. If that makes sense, like you know, your your Terry's and your and your Carragher's and your Tony Adams and all people like that, they'd be loving it because it was pure defending. It wasn't so much the Carl Wills a, a more modern defender where. He, Air really, I think he struggles sometimes. I think Carl will sometimes in the air could be a bit better. But on the floor, tactical awareness, he's fantastic. And I think that's just a difference in maybe... I've got to remember that Axel was... A, obviously, having come out of British Academy, maybe he's been taught a little bit different. He's a bit older. But the more modern academies like now coming through, it's all about having a ball at your feet and playing out. And some defenders just aren't used to that. They just prefer to go long. And they're good at defending rather than actual like, you know, passing through the lines. But... Pure defending, slide tackles, physicality, getting players' faces, heading the ball out, fantastic. And yeah, can he improve playing it through the line? Sure. Um, but a real, like I said, defender's performance. And um, I think it was boiling hot. And I think it's about time. I wouldn't say he's been boiling hot the other games of the season, but I think he's had a good first season, a solid first season. And um, yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, I'm going to go myself with, uh, with Malagusto. Is yeah. my boiling hot. He was my boiling hot last week against Crystal Palace as well. I know obviously Conor Gallagher was really boiling hot against Palace, but obviously I had one to, to go in as last and I put him in. I thought he was fantastic. And, yeah. and like Dizazi, he carried on his form in this game. I thought he was brilliant again. Um, Jeremy Doku has been absolutely pocketed by Reese James in our first game and our backup right backs come in and pocket him in the second game. So yeah. it's, been a tough, it's been a tough stretch for, for Jeremy Doku. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough set for Jeremy Doku. It might be a tough set for Reese James because you, uh, you called Malagusta the backup right back. I mean, keeps playing like this. Reese James will have trouble getting back in the team because uh, this guy's dropping nine out of tens every week and uh, 86% park accuracy, which is obviously not super high, but he does try really progressive passes. Uh, three successful tackles, nine ground duels, uh, 10 clearances, created two chances. He's just an all-rounder and he's only, tw- he's only 20. You know, um, and he—I I know he's added some injuries this year, but he—he he, he seems to play ninety pretty well. He doesn't seem to fade too much. Out the players who are out there, I don't think he faded too badly, because um, obviously we, we should probably talk about the players fading a little bit in the last twenty minutes. But yeah, fan, fantastic performance again. Doesn't look out of place uh, against an elite team like City, and I think there'll be—I think one by one, you're starting to see that. Hang on. Chelsea, Bowley have, have made a few good buys. Yeah, have we made some? <laughs> have we made some overinflated? Have we paid over the odds for a lot of players? Have we bought some players that we shouldn't have? Yeah, sure. But there's quite a few now: Palmer, Gusto, you could say Petrovic, quite a few others. Obviously, Caicedo and Enzo. They're starting to show. Desardi's starting to take a bit of shape. Yeah, yeah. is trying to show. Yeah, Desardi's showing some form. Uh, Baddy Ashil showed it last season. We need him to get back. But there, there are some players who are showing some form. Even Jackson is. You know, don't get me wrong. He's up, anyway, isn't he? he's up and down, but he's effective um, in some games. And you're seeing why they paid 35 million for him, which is obviously, you know, nothing in this market. So, yeah, you're starting to see that of that billion invested net that some of these players are actually pretty good, I think. And they just need some time. Um, and yeah, uh, Gusto's looking fantastic. And got a good headache when Reese James is back in April because if Gusto's fit, I mean, obviously, you've got to put Reese Jones back in. Uh, well, you know, know my solution, right? Because I, I don't think Ben Chilwell's for long at, at right back. And I think we can play some inverted uh, stuff with both Gusto and Reese James. So I actually think Reese James or Gusto at left back is uh, is potentially in our future yeah. as well. 
That's true. Yeah, we could put the, we could put uh, Goose that left back and invert. Yeah, that that is actually a good option. Though. A little bit like Arsenal do, obviously a Ben White and Zinchenko and the players like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely a solution I haven't thought of. But yeah, fantastic. It's uh, it's kind of like they were doing with is it Timber that started the season? I know. You yeah, he obviously got that, he got that crucial, didn't he, or whatever he got. Like, I think but it was like they they structured him to start. He's yeah. a right footer, but to to start a left back, and I, I think you know there's lots of options for the score. Just you know, obviously the main part is get good players in. So yeah. if if we can't decide between Reese James and Malagusto, that's a great problem for us to have. Yeah, definitely. I just want to talk about. Yeah, uh, there was a bit of a debate. Like, did Potch bottle it or the subs? I just want to get your your take on because there was a marked difference between the first sixty-five and the last twenty-five thirty. What's your thoughts on it? I think that if you expected us to go one up at Man City and then play the second half without them barely creating a chance, I think yeah. you're living in cuckoo land. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, this team is not at the level to, to dominate Man City away from home, nor yeah. is it at the level really, in, you know, structurally to you know, stop them creating any chances. I think if we were ever going to get a result in this game, we needed Man City to be a little bit off it, which I think yeah. they were finishing-wise in this game. I think Haaland, obviously, on another day, could have had a couple... Um, I think we obviously need to ride our luck in that regard and also we need to take our chances and we took one but I think we could have probably done a bit better with a couple of our yeah. other fast breaks as well so I think when you look at it from that point of view you know we, we had a chance to, to do a bit better in the game ourselves as well but, but yeah I think look when you go to the Etihad they haven't lost here for two and a half years um, you know it, oh sorry they haven't not scored over two and a half years. When you're one nil up in the in the second half, you know you're you're looking really to either nick a second with the you know the chances that you've got, or to expect really City to score. We we could have held out in this game, but yeah, I, I don't think I'm looking at Posh and thinking, you know, you you, you you made some mistakes. I mean, I think retrospectively he wouldn't have made the subs quite as fast, but I, I think when the subs happened, I was asking for Nkunku for Sterling at the time. You know, that was the sub I would have made. I thought that could have, and Kunku and Jackson could link up together in the same way um, that Sterling and, and Jackson did, and, you know, fresh legs. And, you know, and Kunku's obviously a dangerous player as well. Obviously, he came on and didn't play very well at all. In fact, he lost the ball within the first 10 seconds, I think, of coming on, and City almost scored straight away. So he immediately looked like he wasn't sharp. So, yeah, I, I think I do see, look, a lot of people aren't very high on Posh right now, and every single little bit of. You know, I think they said a couple of weeks ago, if he sneezed, he'd be doing it wrong. And, um, you know, I think that is where we're at with Chelsea fans. We posh some of them. You know, obviously it's a mixed mixed bag. But, yeah, in general, I think you can only look back on this game and think, you know, a pretty good performance. I mean, from a really basic standpoint, I think, I mean, they say, they, they say bite your hand off for a result. I mean, I thought we would get slapped in this game before the game, I'll be honest. Oh, like, me too. When, when you're coming off Liverpool away... Um, you know, the last time we played an elite team away, because I think with Villa, you see with Villa as well. I mean, I'm not saying that like we weren't good that night, but Villa can blow really hot and cold. Um, and that night, that and they've even improved since. So I'm not saying that performance wasn't great, but Villa were really poor that night. You're never going to get like a poor City for the whole game. I mean, first half City struggled a little bit, but uh, Pep adjusted it a little bit. They wrote, they wrote about that in the Athletic, and that that enabled them to you know get two xG in the second half. I just think that to to get a draw in this game is it, it's not it's not quite a win, but it's kind of like a moral victory in a sense where we can actually go to to away and grind a result out away and kind of obviously we've done that at home and the, the thing about this game as well I mean there's been a lot pointed towards the XG that you know City got close to free XG or just over and we got half of that 
We only have three big chances. We, we both have three big chances each. And the thing about this game is there was so many, uh, again, I talk about that X opportunity and Simon Johnson talks about it. He didn't say X opportunity, but he reminded me, reminded me of what, what I say about, he said that, you know, there are certain things that don't show up in the stats. Like that Chilwell ball in the first half, such an easy through ball for Sterling. Sterling's in. Like, that doesn't show up in the XG, like, for, or the the bit where uh, Gallagher squared it across and Jackson, if he held his run, that would have been a goal. Or that Nathan Ake superb sliding tackle. That probably accumulates over an XG. So I'm not saying the game was even. Uh, I think that probably the end, City might have been a little disappointed they didn't nick it at the end. Because obviously it was a it was a real tsunami of pressure at the end. Let's not let's be honest. The last 20, 30 minutes, it was, it was back to the wall stuff. It was kind of, we're playing a four, basically playing a 5-4-1, really, which wasn't ideal. Um, but I do think that it, we sh- the thing that I liked about this performance is we showed fight. Like we, we've shown that we can play in periods, like Liverpool at home, Arsenal the first half at home, City game at home, loads of games, but we haven't really shown much that we can fight. And we just fought for this game and you need that. And that's where you go back to your Terry's and your Carvalho's and your Lampard's and your all these players and, you know, Drogba's and that spine that we had and, I think a spine in modern football doesn't really exist as much anymore because of the rotation and things like that. But to have some fight in the group is really good to see. And that does show progress for me. Absolutely 100% agree. And uh, I think the momentum for this game going into these upcoming tough, tough games is really, really good. Not just momentum, actually, just the confidence as well. I think the team, and you can feel it in the fans as well. We kind of believe we can get a result against Liverpool on Sunday now. I think. I think that... I mean, even the bookies have seen it. There's been a five percent shift in the in the margins in the market. And, yeah. like, and if you look back at where we were after that Wolves game, yeah, I think. I mean, no, I mean, Potts to to win to win Villa, win Palace, and not. I mean, Potch couldn't have. I mean, he wouldn't have dreamed of it. I think. I think. <laughs> I think in his mind, he's like, right, I got, I got to try and, I got to win the Palace game. I think the I think if he lost Villa and won the Palace game, and that Palace game was huge. He had to win that game with you know all their players out and Hodgson going out the door, and obviously Hodgson's been sacked or he stepped down tonight. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not going to say turning point. I said to Chris like with this team for a while there won't be turning points because they're not experienced enough. Like we could go to Brentford away and get beat three 0 I, I believe that. Like this team will have wobbles, you know. Um, but you're showing. They're showing a kind of now bumpy up, upward trajectory rather than two steps forward, two steps back. It's kind of it's a rocky road, but there is progress, and that's the way I see it. Yeah. Okay, that's all we've got time for today. Regardless of the result, we will be back for the cup final preview. Join us at the end of the week for that as we look ahead to our biggest game of the season at Wembley this weekend. And then following that, we'll have a review with Jamie and Jack Elwood as we go behind enemy lines and talk about how we won the League Cup at Wembley. So Sounds like it's 100%, not 40%. <laughs> Jake is out for that. For more updates on all things ESCR, you can follow us on X at Eat Sleep Chelsea and on Instagram at Eat Sleep Chelsea Repeat. As always, we hope you're carefree wherever you may be. And thanks for listening. I hope you're carefree wherever you may be. Thanks for listening. <laughs>